When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to the latest Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. I'm your host, Evan Hughes, pleased to be joined this week, as always, by TSL founder, the head honcho, Will Stewart, and managing editor, Chris Coleman. Guys, in what has been a terrific week for Virginia Tech Athletics, how are y'all doing? Doing well. It's, it's been a terrific week in Virginia Tech athletics, so we're doing well. Yeah, it's, I'm good, sure, it's good to be king. I'm sure that kind of corresponds. When it's a good week for tech athletics, it's a good week for tech sideline. In yes. general, yeah. Yes. When traffic levels are up, we like it. Well, we have a lot to get to today. The final podcast in the month of February. Someone told me today it was February 28th and tomorrow's March 1st. Right. I was like, that Ma- March, March 1st, so March Madness. It's, is here. It's pretty much here, man. Can I just say about March Madness real quick? You know, the, the, the CBS March Madness jingle. Does that not like get oh, yeah. you excited? Like I think that is the best. Oh yeah. It's one of the it's one of those things that never needs to change. That yes. song never needs to change. CBS is really good about their, their songs. The March Madness has never changed, as far as I can remember, right. since, as long as I've been watching it. And also their intro, their football intro for, for their football games hasn't changed. I mean, when Tech was in the Big East, the Big East had a CBS contract, believe it or not, instead yeah, instead, right. instead of the SEC, <clears throat> right? The, the very uh, first Big East football contract was with CBS right. from like 1995 through 1999 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so you go back and watch those old – Tech games like the 1996 Miami game or the Miracle uh, Mor- Morgantown uh, 99. No, that yeah, was 99. That was well, 99. It, was, it was on CBS. Well, it was, well, it was yeah. on CBS. Right. McDonough called it. Yeah, I was right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so you you watch that and you see the intros and they're playing the CBS music and that music has not changed and it shouldn't change. Yeah, I agree. Now is the March Madness music the one that goes? Da, 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 no, that's football. That's football. That's I think that's the best jingle in all that's sports. So, yeah. a quick side note: March is coming, and we're going to have you fully hey, one covered. One more thing before we get off that topic: the original. I've, I've done the research on this; it's been a while. But the contracts that CBS signed with the SEC and the Big East back in the early '90s were for roughly the same amount of money. That's hard to believe. Mm. That is hard to believe. And the next go round, they were not for the same <laughs> amount of money. They, they were negotiated, I think, in 1998 or '99, and and the. Uh, CBS had learned by then that people would not tune in to see Big East football. Um, and they, <clears throat> man, they did something the next time around where they, oh, there, there were some Big East teams that would play Notre Dame, and CBS would use that as one of their, one of their games to fulfill their Big East contract. Right. And, yeah. and one of your Big East teams was Rutgers. You know, one of your Big East teams was Temple. Temple. And Pitt back then was generally bad before Walt Harris got, got there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you and, and Boston College was generally a good team, but there's just not that many fans. Yep. So, you know, really you had that, – That's half your uh, – Right. That, that's half your – so you had Miami. West Virginia. West Virginia, Virginia Tech. And who am I with? Syracuse. Miami. And Syracuse. Right. And even Sy- – and Syracuse was good because they had McNabb. Um, but really it was only half of your Big East teams that anybody had any interest in watching play yeah. at, at all. And somehow, 
somehow that league had the same TV contract as the SEC at one point in time. But once CBS really started studying the numbers, they were like, yeah, that's that's not going to Yeah, it didn't take them long to figure yeah. it out. And one thing, too, speaking about Virginia Tech and March Madness, have they played in the last three years under Buzz? Have they been on CBS? Because I think last year they were on either TBS or TNT. No, I have no idea. I don't think they've been on CBS. I don't know why I just thought of that, but just <laughs> something uh, so we can get the Hokies in the jingle together. Right. That's the bottom line. Uh, let's get this podcast going because we have a lot to get to uh, in 60 minutes today. We'll be recapping Virginia Tech's third consecutive home win against the Duke Blue Devils inside Castle Coliseum. A big win on Tuesday night on a national stage. We'll recap it all. We'll talk about post game with uh, Coach Buzz Williams. I know we're, we're going to talk about your hat too, but keep going. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about my hat. I got him to stop talking for like .75 seconds. And uh, we will talk about Virginia Tech football because they had a press conference today, and they will. Uh, there were some interesting uh, news and notes. CC was there, and we've got a uh, picture right in front of some talk, talking points that was discussed from Coach Fuente, Coach Foster, and others. Of course, we always talk about each and every week on the podcast how it is proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031. That number again, 1-800-680-7031, or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. And I talked to Jonathan before the Duke game the other night, and he said they're coming back on board for another year. They've been with us since 2014, which is a long time ago. And he agreed to that before Tech beat Duke, so it wasn't just the euphoria of the game. So that's awesome. Well, we're excited to have him back on. They're going to be on for another year. That's fantastic. We should. It, 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 I think it could be a goal either end of this year, next year. We should get Jonathan Fisher on the podcast. Yes, uh, I think we should have him on. I actually talked to him about that the other night, and I said, you know, we'll give you a chance to pitch uh, all that you do with, with your, your legal firm and all that, but we'll, I think we'll kind of make it a fan-oriented show where we'll ask questions like, uh, what was your favorite bowl trip ever, ever? Mm -hmm. what was your worst loss ever, you know, who's your favorite player ever? Yeah. So I think that'd be a fun thing to do with Jonathan and have people chime in on Facebook Live and that sort of thing. I completely agree. And keep in mind that 30,000 number, that continues to grow by the day, <laughs> by the week, by the month. It started when we had this sheet right here. It was 15,000 beginning of the year. Now it's 30,000. So they do great work over at the uh, Fisher Law Firm. All right, let's dive right into it, guys. I know the fans are excited for this that are watching uh, on Facebook. Okay, and so we got to talk about your hat first. Okay. That hat is straight out of the 1970s. Turn around. Let me see the back of it. As it get? Oh, it's even got the. What do you call those, Chris? The plastic, snapback. The snapback. Yeah. <laughs> see, it didn't have a name back in the 70s and 80s because every hat was like that. So he, I, so I don't know. If it was 70s, it wouldn't be as curved. But the rest of the hat, yes, very, very 1980s. 70s hats had a little okay. curved tone. So you know, if, if you're like, most of you don't watch us on Facebook Live, Evan is sporting a Patagonia hat, which is it's it's got the mesh on the back. It's got the snap back. Do you approve you know? of the hat? That's the question. Do I need to take it off or do uh, it? You know, it's funny that it that it's fashionable for you young guys because I would just never wear a hat like that. Now you look at Chris's hat. Chris, That's a great hat. That now, yes, I'm shilling a little bit for the TSL store. Chris is wearing a uh, a Nike uh, fit. It's a it's a fitted. stretch stretch fit stretch or whatever fit, they call yeah. it. 
And yep. uh, so that's what we carry in our online TSL store. And so I, you know, naturally, I had him when we had him made up. I had him send me one, and, and that is a great hat. It is. If, if yeah. you grew a mustache, we could put you on Super Seventy Sports. Okay, so let's segue into that. <laughs> There's a Twitter account called Super Seventy yes. Sports <laughs> that if you're not following, you've got to follow it. It's a little profane. Yes. Okay. But he digs up all this stuff from the 70s and 80s and just cracks jokes about it. And probably the funniest one was the guy dug up a picture of Howard Cosell in between O.J. Simpson and Bruce Jenner. (laughs) And he said, ladies and gentlemen, this is Howard Cosell. I have seen into the future and you're not going to believe this. Beep. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that a couple days ago. I love Twitter. Oh, my gosh. That is a great meme. You're not going to believe this. That is hilarious. Oh, my Lord. Well, uh, if you like, if you're watching on Facebook Live and you like the hat that CC is wearing, you can go to TechSideline.com, go to the More tab, go to Buy TSL Gear, and get all of your Tech Sideline gear. And if you're listening and thinking about becoming a part of the TSL family, you should do it. $84.99 is the annual price, $849 is the monthly price, and $29.99 is the student price. Indeed, we are still cheaper than the competition and better. I should have said we are better than the competition and even cheaper. <laughs> there you have it. We've talked about uh, the CBS jingle, a Patagonia hat, 70s sports memes. We are already off to a great start in the podcast. And now we dive in to the 77-72 to win for Virginia Tech over number 3 Duke on Tuesday inside Castle Coliseum. Normally when we talk about wins, and I feel like especially big ones, we really dissect the game, and we're going to do that. But I think this win has so many different talking points, uh, and Will was really great about on Twitter jumping right on, listening to Buzz Williams' postgame with John Laser and Mike Burnup, uh, and then the press conference and the emotion behind that win. I feel like it's kind of different. We'll get to that in a little bit. Let's get to the X's and O's and the and the game itself. Starting with you, CC. You know, this was a couple weeks ago in a stretch where Virginia Tech went Clemson, Georgia Tech, Pitt. You were saying I would be ecstatic for three and O. I would love two and one. I expect one and two. Right. And that was without Justin Robinson in the start of that. Two weeks later, a win over number three Duke with four NBA potential first round picks. Your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was really important, and I, and I thought it was evidence that the team continues to learn how to play without Justin Robinson. I, I think we want to say their first three or four games after losing him, they averaged 54 points per game. Yeah, it and was the, rough. Yeah, yeah, and the offense was just not not working at all. But, uh, you know, they scored 77 against Duke. They scored in the 70s against Notre Dame. Uh, they scored in the 70s or 80s against Georgia Tech. 76-68, I think. Yeah, uh, so – I think uh, I think they're coming along there. Uh, obviously, Kerry Blackshear turning into a complete monster <laughs> helps very yeah. much. But but I, I think other guys are are getting used to their roles as well. Um, you know, when Virginia Tech went down and lost to Clemson and only scored 51 points, Nikhil Alexander Walker had zero assists and five turnovers, I believe. Well, the other night against Duke, he had six assists and one turnover. Big difference. Yeah, he's he's not going to be able to play the point the way Justin Robinson plays it. But when you look at the numbers later, and you see that, you know, it's um the that speaks well of him figuring things out. You know, he's not going to play the same as J. Rob, but he's playing better. He's been fantastic defensively too. You know, there, there were times uh, in that game the other night. Somebody pointed this out to me this morning where. You know, he was guarding Trey Jones, and there were times where he was guarding Reddish, and there were times where he was guarding Barrett. So, 
you know, you could switch a lot with, with a guy like him, and, and, and I think that's really helping Virginia Tech defensively. And, and I, I know he's not scoring as much without Justin Robinson, and his shooting is down without Robinson. But everybody's shooting is down without Robinson. Except, except, for, except for Blackshear. Which, uh, and his is way up. Yeah, right. And everybody else is shooting worse without Justin Robinson than they were with Justin Robinson. There's a reason for that. Uh, but I think the, the, the fact that they're improving in so many other ways – uh, and everybody's adapting to their role, and, really, and everybody's kept a positive attitude. You know, it would be easy to roll over and say, "Oh gosh, woe is me." You know, let's let's just play this, play it out until we get him back, and then we'll try to make a run. No, they they're five and three without him. I think they'd be six and two or seven and one with him, but they were in every game they played, so there hasn't been a lack of. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a lack of effort or, or, or there hasn't no, – nothing has crept into their minds saying, uh, we can't win without him, so let's just kind of tank it until he gets back, save it till he gets back, and then we'll make our run. There hasn't been any of that at all. One thing that Buzz Williams said post game was that, especially in the huddles, Will, that everybody was believing that they were going to win. And kind of going off what you just said, there was no doubt. And they kind of played that way because Virginia Tech led at every ATO – Every time Duke got on a run, they found a way to answer. I mean, it it, it, it was just a true testament of team basketball, it felt like. If, if you follow me on Twitter and you read my articles, great for you, then you know I already ran this stat. Duke took the lead seven times by one point each time, and every time Virginia Tech scored next. And six of those seven times, it was on the next possession. So I got a little frustrated during the game with there were times where Tech led by four points and they had a chance to stretch it out to a three-possession game, and it seems like they just couldn't ever do it. But in the postgame, I appreciated the fact that, sure, they, they couldn't stretch the lead out, but every time Duke went ahead of them, they answered, and that's, that's great quality. Yeah, Coach K said after the game, he said the, that was a really good game, and it was a really it, good it game. It was a good game. Yeah, it was a really good game to watch. Uh, it, you know, it was, it was high-scoring enough, but it, there was also enough defense where I, I thought it was just a – just the type of college basketball game that I'd like to see. There was good defensive play. There was good offensive play. Uh, just a lot of quality on the court for, for both teams. I mean, I thought, you know, R.J. Barrett hit some big-time shots in the second half for, for Duke. It's some big moments. You know, he finally uh, – he did, he scored four points in the first half, then he, then he tore off a bunch of points in the second half. And it finally stopped for him when he went to the line. He missed a couple of free throws in a row, you know, and that was the end of it for him. Mm-hmm. And – I was worried about that. And being a Virginia Tech basketball fan, is, is it Jack White that missed all the uh, three-pointers? Three he, he's missed 28 three-pointers in a row, I think, for Since Duke. Since January. Right, you, right. You can't tell me that it didn't go through your mind. You watch. This is going to be a close game, and Jack White's going to hit a couple of threes to win. No, he's going to hit one at the buzzer to win. That's what I told That's your uh, worst case. Somebody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, no, uh, so he's missed 28 in a row, and he still has a higher three-point percentage on the season than Trey Jones. That's my number. So, now let's talk about that. Uh, in the office on Monday, I think Will and I were talking, and we were saying to each other, man, if Zion's out, Tech's got a real chance to win this game. Yeah. And then I started looking at the stats, and I'm like, okay, yeah, Duke can't shoot. You know, they can't shoot the three-point ball at all. They're one of the worst teams in the country at shooting the three-point ball. Uh, Trey Jones is a big reason for that. Duke, Duke uh, shoots roughly 30% from the three-point line. Right, and Trey Jones is a projected late first-round pick. So, yes, some NBA players, they're not necessarily great shooters. 
Um, and and I, I when you watch Trey Jones play, he averages like eight or nine points a game. Now that said, I'll bet he gets a lot better. He'll he'll spend a couple of years in the NBA. Next thing you know, he'll be shooting thirty five, forty. Yes, yeah, so, so, yeah, probably so, something like that. He's uh, different from his brother because Tyus could hit the shot. Right, I mean, he was a better offensive player. Oh, for sure. Uh, but you know, Jones is a, is an elite defender, man. That dude can get into oh, yeah. you. Uh, he 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 gave our guys all sorts of trouble. Um, but when you when you looked at that matchup and when you found out that Zion wasn't going to be playing. And you thought about how Virginia Tech likes to play defense, and their whole strategy is to stop penetration and turn force you to be a jump-shooting team. Uh, I'm like, well, that kind of plays into Virginia Tech's hands, even without Justin Robinson, because we're going to make Duke shoot a lot of jump shots. And, and they did. They shot 21 three-pointers. I don't know how many they shoot per game from the outside, but considering their overall shooting percentage is like – from the outside, it's like 320th in the country, yeah. and it's pretty much the. I think I think in the ACC play, they shoot 29 percent from out there. They really shouldn't be shooting more than 15 or so three pointers per game. Duke it's, was, you know, they don't shoot many. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Duke was seven of 21 from yes. three, and Virginia Tech was eight of 26 from deep. Yeah. So I appreciate that Duke didn't go off. Like, like they went off against Virginia. They made 13 of 21. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and that. That's going to happen, yeah. you know, and, and fortunately it didn't happen to Virginia Tech the other night. Yeah, and, you know, I know Duke beat Virginia twice this year, but I actually I don't think Duke is better than Virginia. I think they had an that, – that, that game they went 13 of 21, that's an outlier. And Virginia shot very poorly right. at Duke well, in, the, in the previous well, game. Well, yeah, they had a couple of outliers in both of those meetings. Yeah. Uh, so, I, and I, so I think Virginia is better than Duke. Uh, I don't know that North Carolina isn't the best team in the ACC. I completely agree. I was having uh, this conversation earlier today. Like right now, right now, assuming let's assume right now that J. Rob and Zion Williamson are back for the ACC tournament, just playing the hypothetical. Who do you think right now, if you were to make bet on to win the ACC, I would say North Carolina. North Carolina. I really would. I would either say North Carolina or Virginia, in my opinion. Uh, it could go either way, and I'm not saying Duke doesn't have chance because they, they they certainly do. They've got great players, but I look at the experience level of North Carolina. They got. They don't have quite. They don't have quite as much talent as Duke, but they got a bunch of seniors on yeah. that team, man. A graduate uh, transfer too. Right. Luke, Luke yeah. May is hitting his stride. Luke know. May against North Carolina. I mean, I know Zion was out. Against he was Duke. unbelievable. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I, I got in trouble for that because uh, <laughs> I went on Twitter and said my man crush on Luke May is alive and well, and I got I got chastised for it, and I get it because the the weird thing is to go on a bit of a tangent. I don't. I got to thinking about it later. One of the one of our message board posters called me out. And said, "What are you doing, man? That guy plays for another team, and it plays for a school that didn't send their players to class for a couple of decades." Yeah. Why did you say that? And I just got to thinking about it, and I thought, and you know, he's he's funny. I wouldn't. I don't get gushy about tech players like that. I, I try to stay neutral and you know be respectful of 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 the team that I cover. So it was kind of weird and and. I don't know why I'm going on this tangent, but I haven't quite worked out why all that is. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I people who've read my stuff for a long time know my feelings about North Carolina. Uh, but for, as far as basketball goes, I like Carolina better than Duke now because Duke has gone the one-and-done route, uh, which I don't like as a college basketball fan. And Carolina, they don't have one-and-dones now. They're recruiting guys, and they're keeping them for four years. And – uh, you know, Roy might win another national championship this year with four-year guys. Um, his most recent national title win was with four-year guys for the for the most part. Uh, and 
I, I just think, and the Villanova's won two of the last three national Correct. championships. Correct, and they've had got RG Diacono, yeah, I believe, for the most senior. part with with four year guys. Yep. And so I just I think that's the way to go in college basketball, in my opinion. And and I I I love ACC basketball from when I was a kid. And you know, you had guys like Tim Duncan staying in school for pretty much their whole careers. Yeah, you, and, man, you go further back to to my day, Ralph Sampson, James Worthy, Michael Jordan. I think Jordan only stayed three years. Yeah. But you get my point. Those guys. Right. And I don't blame the players for, for that. I mean, it's worth a lot of money. You go. Um, but I, I just like the way Roy Williams is doing it now. Um, you know, Luke May was not some five-star recruit. He was a walk-on, I believe. I don't know if he was. Was he really? I, I don't, I'm not you, kidding. You, I, 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 let me look that up. I, I am 90% uh, sure he was a walk-on. Okay. So it's funny. Uh, the, the game that Tech, Tech beat UNC in Castle last year, right? Yeah. On yeah. Big Monday. Um, and, and, man, I went into that game in fear of Luke May, and he didn't have that great a game. Right. Uh, but, uh, man, he's, he's – Luke playing. May was a walk-on. Yeah. Uh, was he his traditional was, walk-on? Was, was he a Cody Grimm-type walk-on where you didn't have to All right. offer All right. him a scholarship? Uh, do, 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 uh, no Duke what. had a walk-on back in the day that Deron Washington kicked in the face. What was his name? Oh, man. Uh, uh, sounded like Machiavelli, but it wasn't. Melchione. Lee Melchione. But, but, nice pull. but Melchione was like a top 150 player coming out of high school, so yeah. a pretty high, highly touted guy. But he was technically a walk-on at Duke because his dad was loaded and just decided to pay his tuition, right? I, I yeah, think, or something like that. There's, there's walk-ons. walk-ons. All right, go, go, go to Luke May's 247 sports profile and see right. what he was ranked. All right, what do you, go ahead and take some guesses. What do you think? Uh, I don't know, 200th. 200 to 250. All right, Luke May on 247sports.com. Uh, you want his composite? Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. Sure. Uh, he was a three-star .9012. He was uh, nationally ranked 155. Okay, so, so okay, so that's not walk-on status. Virginia Tech has scholarship players in the program that weren't weren't ranked, ranked nearly as highly as Luke May was in high school. Yeah. So he's not a he's not a normal walk-on. Uh, most time, if you see successful walk-ons in college basketball these days, it's generally a story like that. Um, North Carolina and Duke can still get walk-ons like that every now and then. Yeah. But, but, yeah, where they'd be a scholarship pro player anywhere else. And I guarantee you he's probably on, he's on scholarship now, or at least he should be. Yeah, look. Um, but, but, you know, that, uh, what I'm saying is, all right, he was, not, he was a three-star guy, ranked 150-ish in the country, something like that. And Roy's winning with those guys. Right, you're still turning him into a top-10 player in the country. Uh, uh, you, you know, you're turning him into a guy that the senior Luke May beats – freshman cam reddish or or, or whatever you, you know and I, and I just prefer that style of basketball i think it's more conducive to if we're going to call it college basketball right then those guys are, are i mean I, i'm pr- i'm sure i'm sure carolina's players go to class these days right if they're not going to class these days and they're stupid because everybody's out, yeah, look, out to get them now. pretty brazen if they're still yeah, Right, if they're still doing that. So, I mean, I think Carolina's operating in the right way now because if they weren't, they'd get caught very quickly because there are more eyes on them now. Also, Roy Williams, uh, he wears the Jordan brand, the shoes. I don't know if you guys follow their social media feeds. Uh, he mm. reps the brand. Um, Anyways, uh, somehow we get all the way to that, and yeah, we're still talking about Virginia Tech, yeah. Duke, Back to Virginia uh, because we could talk about one and dones in the format of college basketball for a full podcast. Um, I want to get y'all's thoughts, because I'm sitting there watching the game in the stands, and I'm thinking, what is it that I want to talk about and bring up on the podcast? And I think there are many different guys. We, You have said it, and you have said it as well. When you lose J-Rob, you cannot replace Justin Robinson. However, you can get guys to step up their game and try and replace the production. 
the one player who really stood out to me making a, a above and beyond contribution for Virginia Tech, and I think one of his best games as a Hokie was Wabisa Beattie. I thought Beattie was fantastic. I mean, he didn't have to do a ton offensively. What was he, 2 of 7 from the field? Well, BC, 2 of 7 from the field, yeah. but he scored 8 points. He had two. 2 assists, 2 boards. It just felt oh. like, too, he was passing. He was getting to the lane. Well, there were some games there where he wasn't scoring a single point, and he doesn't have to score in double figures. Uh, every Virginia Tech game since Justin Robinson has been out, with the exception of the NC State game, has been decided by between five and seven points. They either lose by six or eight, or they win by five, six, or eight. That, 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 that's how it's been so far. So those games where Beatty doesn't score, as opposed to, yes, he makes two of his open three-pointers. I mean, that's the difference between a win and a loss right there. So, so yes, that was absolutely a key to that game is those two open three-pointers that he made. We haven't seen him play the air guitar in a while. And ideally, <laughs> you would like to see that once or twice a game. after his second three-pointer, yep, right? Yep. Yeah. And then the other player was, was Ahmed Hill. I mean, Hill, with, with 17, he played 37 minutes, four he had, rebounds. He had, he had nine points before the first media timeout. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wrote in my column that, that followed up this game, I said, you know, if you're going to win a game like this – it's, it's important to get off to a good start, to not get down by a lot early and be intimidated and take the crowd out of it. And Ahmed Hill was, was singularly responsible for that. He had nine of their first 14. They led 14 to 10 at the first media timeout. Um, he cooled off after that, but he set the tone early. He, he, it was – I believe he made his first three-point shot too, and you could tell that he gained some confidence. Yeah, he wound up like two of six, but he made his first one. Right, and he played 37 minutes, and we'll talk about post-game and buzz and how that kind of relates to Ahmed Hill. It was a really passionate quote, I felt like, mm-hmm. from Coach Williams that we'll yeah. talk about with Ahmed Hill. And then also, too, we've mentioned the last couple of weeks, how is Nikhil transitioning into his new role? 13 points, 6 of 8 from the free throw line. Yes, he was 3 of 10 from the field, but 5 rebounds and 6 assists. 1 turnover, 4 steals. Was that his best game in his new role since Justin Robinson's gone down? Uh, the Numbers-wise. No, yeah, I mean, it was certainly his best floor game. I think it was certainly his best game from a turnover standpoint, assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, so yes, I, I think that was – I would say that that was his best game. I, I just – I thought he contributed in, in – so many different ways. And I just felt like, Will, he was able to get to the foul line at critical times down the stretch in the second half. And he, he really was the floor general. Even though the ball moves through Blackshear, you know, a lot of times you mentioned Trey Jones. You meant, you see how many times he would get over half court and he would have his back to Jones at mid I mean, he just seemed like he had a real flow. Mm-hmm. I think you need to take a look because I think he was 7 of 7 from the free throw line, not 6 of 8. I think he was 3 of 10 from the field. With a three-pointer, which would be seven points. And how many points did he have for the game? He had 13. 13. Okay, so he was six of eight. I wonder who I'm thinking of. But anyway, um, he shot a little better from the free-throw line. The free-throw line is part is, you know, and that's just more evidence that it was one of his better games. He he dropped to about 65% after Justin Robinson went out from the line and did better there. Speaking of free-throws, Kerry Blackshear missed his first two and then made nine in a row. Correct. Yeah. Nine of 11. And, and he, he and Nikhil were the only ones that played 40 minutes. But I just think, again, I mean, Kerry Blackshear Jr., you talk about the saying, something good out of something bad. Never want a player to get hurt. Never want to see Justin Robinson, especially in his senior year. You mentioned this is the best tech team in the last 20, 20 or 25 years. But 
I mean, yeah. you we talked about it last week. You get J-Rob back healthy. You have two different looks now on offense that you can run. You go fast, you can go slow. Is there a chance in a month from now or two months when March Madness is over, we can say maybe the emergence of Kerry Blackshear was the difference this season? Yeah, yeah uh, that's certainly possible. Tech will have an issue when Robinson does come back. They'll have a decision to make. Do they go back to the old Robinson offense that's fast-paced and everything? Uh, or they do or do they continue the with the let's run it through Kerry Blackshear at a slower pace and we'll add Justin Robinson to the mix? Is it something in between? You know, so they had to learn to play without him, but now they'll have to learn to play with him again. And then Buzz Williams will have that decision to make. What type of offense do I run? And what do you think? I don't know. Well, <laughs> and the problem is you get one shot at it. It's right. going to be tournament basketball. Correct. If you guess wrong, you're out. Is it something that you can flip like a switch? Like if you get to the 16 minute time, like okay, this is not working. Let's go fast. Is that uh, something uh, the, that's yeah, interchangeable? Yeah, well, yes, because you uh, because you have experienced players. Um, you, there's so many you know t- players on this team that are seniors or a very experienced sophomore like Nikhil, who who's got a high basketball IQ. Uh, so there's enough experience on this team where, yeah, yeah, I think you can flip that switch in the middle of a game if you need to. And, and one of the things I like about the stuff they've done lately, and, you know, you can give me your opinion on this. To, to me, the teams that su- succeed in the NCAA tournament are the teams that get hot from behind the three-point line or they can run a half-court offense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in tournament basketball, stuff really bogs down, and you got to be able to run out of the half-court. If you're solely a running team – you can you can run into and, and this used to happen to the Hokies like the year that they played uh, Illinois and Southern Illinois. Oh, those two awful matchups. Yeah, they because were fortunate were, to those, get through the first one. Those were two half court teams that just bogged the Hokies down and dragged them down with them. Ugly so, basketball. Yeah. 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 Especially, you know, especially Illinois. Uh, That was just that was brutal to watch. (laughs) Continuing to recap, Virginia Tech seventy-seven to seventy-two win over Duke on Tuesday on the Tech Sideline Podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. There were two moments in the second half where I really felt like Virginia Tech had a gut check moment, Uh, and there were and there were two things down the stretch. Number one, and I don't have this exactly in front of me, I couldn't find it, but there was a point where Tech was up about. Five, I want to say it was in the middle of the of the 50s or the 60s, and it, there was a turnover, and it looked like there was a potential goal 10 call that would have put them up yeah, by either right. seven or yeah. nine. Um, I forget in that point, and it was a block, and Reddish came down, hit, hit a, a three, straightaway right. three. Yeah, I remember that. And that yeah. was a moment I remember thinking that you know Duke could get some momentum. And, yeah. and, and then when they went on that run to tie the game just before the outlaw three, I mean, there were many moments where it looked like the talent of Duke might just take over this game. And it didn't happen. It was a testament to Tech. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it was twice in the last eight minutes when Duke tied the game. And both times Virginia Tech called a timeout, and they came out of the timeout and made a three-pointer, an open three-pointer. Uh, Beattie made the first, and then Outlaw made the one with about a minute and a half left to put Tech up for good. Uh, and I asked uh, – who did I ask? I guess it was Ahmed Hill about that after the game. And he said, yeah, you know, we took those timeouts and, and we just we just talked about defense and staying within the moment. We didn't really talk about offense. You know, they drew up a play, obviously. But uh, it was just – they're very calm. They're a very calm team. You know, they didn't celebrate after the win. They did in the locker room, of course. But uh, and there was a little bit on the court uh, at, at the beginning, but – you know, for the most part, they just, they just walked off the court like they had been there before because they have been there before. So, in 11 games against Duke in Castle Coliseum and ACC play, Virginia Tech is 5-6. and six. 
almost 500. Um, every one of the five wins has been over a top seven team, I think, is, is uh, in looking at the rankings. And two more. Two more of those games are the one where Jalen Hudson was fouled yep. at the last play of regulation. Duke ended up going to, uh, winning the game in overtime. We'll get to that and, in a minute. And then the John Shire Walk Festival back in 2008. Uh, and that game easily could have gone the other way. So, um, you know, Virginia Tech is very competitive with Duke and Castle Coliseum. So it, it's time – I love Castle Guard, but it's time to just uh, take it in stride when Tech wins. Make noise, but no reason to rush the floor anymore. Well, like, this is yeah, yeah. You, you bring up an interesting point there, and, it, and it's funny because I was, in, I was in the top of the student section. I went as a fan, and to me it looked like the front row of the Castle Guard, and I can't confirm this, they did not storm. Well, there was I a think delay. part of the reason for that is there's a big vinyl banner that runs all along the railing. Right. The students Which looks great, pour, by the, the way. Yeah, it does. I love the way it says defend the castle. Yes. It shows up in pictures. The students were pouring down the sides beside yes. those. Oh, uh, it's, it's very difficult to storm the court from where the student section is now because that wall is higher. Now, the old student section, which, which ran the length of the court across from the benches, that was easy to storm. You just jump over the railing and it's like a foot down. Right, and, but that's probably what like a oh I've done that. That's jump. like an eight foot drop uh, for, from where you, the student section is now. You have to go to around. You have to really like be careful. You, yeah, you have people. Uh, I mean, that there, is a there that's a big jump. Ankles. The guy I was with at, at the game the other night with told me he said that he sat there a year or two ago and watched a girl go over the railing, land on the floor. And yeah. Break her oh yeah, I remember. I remember that. Uh, yeah. He, he, no, he, he said it was gross. Got <laughs> okay. uh, But it does bring up that interesting point though, because I had the same thought, and I remember looking around, people saying. Are, are people going to storm? Right. Because you're, you're a top 20 team. I mean, believe me, I know it's exciting to storm the court. I mean, it's something that I think all students want to experience. But you're a top 20 team. And if you want to show that you're here, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and you've arrived, right. you don't really need to yeah, storm, st- right? Uh, students don't think that through. So I don't blame them. For, I'm, I mean, I, and they're I'm, only there for four years. Right, right. Correct. Right. They don't have a perspective on Virginia Tech basketball that, that we have and everything like that, I guess. Uh, or then they don't think about things as deeply. But uh, – I'm against storming. I wouldn't storm the court personally at this point, probably. Uh, but I understand those that do. Now, the one thing I am against, and that I'm glad we didn't see the other night, I despise the overrated chant when you're beating a team that's ranked highly. Now, they didn't have really a chance to do that against against Duke because it was a tight game until the end. And you don't really chant that until it becomes clear, until you know you're going you know to win. Uh, but even then, I hate it because Tech is a good basketball team. Uh, Duke is not overrated. You know, they just lost to a good team on the road without Zion uh, Williamson. Right, right. I mean, I mean, yeah. So, so I always hate it when, and this isn't a Virginia Tech thing. It, this happens just about everywhere. Uh, but I, but I hate it when that happens because I, I think it does a disservice to your own players. I would be mad if I was playing my tail out there on a court and I just beat Duke, and then my own student section is yelling that the Duke players are overrated. Right. Right. Uh, and I do want to yeah. – sh- and I don't believe that has been done this year. And yeah. And I do no. want to give a shout-out. I don't out. think I've heard it in a long time. Well, I mean, there hasn't been a big win at Castle yet. Right. So, until until the other day. And and so. it did not happen. And I do want to shout-out because I know a lot of people on Castle Guard who actually listen to this podcast and uh, are really big fans of Tech Sidelines. Right. So, I just want to – I mean – for me personally, this I've only been in the student section twice this year. I really don't go often in the student section. I feel like Castle Guard this year has been 
fantastic. Yeah, they have been great, and uh, I think it's really cool that they get there so early. And I know, I know that uh, it's not reserved seating anymore over there, huh. right, in the student section. Here's how it basically works: it you, you get your ticket, and it does have an exact seat on it, but it is first come, first serve. <laughs> right, right. It is a nice. you got to yeah. get there early and save your seat. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. if you've got a front row seat; you got to get there like five fifteen. I still think they should rip those chairs out of there and put in yeah. aluminum bleachers, put in bleachers and call it the. The north end zone at yep, Castle like we Coliseum. Talked about yeah. um, let's get back, and I want to talk about – so following this win, we'll get to postgame in a minute. I want to spend a minute on this too because it was interesting to me. The next morning I watched Get Up on ESPN, and I wanted to see how the national media would portray this. I think I know where this is headed, but go ahead. And the big storyline is Duke loses at Virginia Tech without, without Zion, Zion Williamson. Um, now, I think that – a lot of the local um, media and the the media markets, and even on the, I thought Maria Taylor on ESPN did a nice job crediting Buzz and recognizing before they went into Duke and Mike Greenberg teared it up. She said, "Congratulations, Buzz, uh, excuse me, Buzz Williams, doing this without Justin Robinson," and then went into it. But to me, it feels like this is more so Duke lost without Zion. How how should we interpret that? Could you picture the headline on ESPN.com being? Virginia Tech beats Duke without Justin Robinson. No, it's just it's odd to think about it. It's I don't know how they decide that they make money off of this, you know. And, and um, I feel myself getting ready to go on a tangent, but <laughs> clearly the announcers have their talking points. They put Zion in the little in the little box. They had a Zion cam, I believe, for the game, didn't they? On ESPN three, and, and they did the split screen thing, and they did it for a minute and twenty seconds. Okay. So there's that, and then there's this whole discussion of um, if the one-and-done rule stays, you know, the G League's going to start play, play, paying sure. elite players $125,000 a year, however they define an elite player, and provide them with certain resources that your average G League player doesn't get. And so the, it's this whole discussion of if you were an elite prospect, would you play in the G League for a year for hundred twenty-five grand, or would you go to Duke or UNC or something like that? And you can make the argument that your brand gets built up if you go to college, if you go to Duke. Because of the way the rights are. ESPN is pumping the heck out of Zion Williamson's brand right now. You know, and and they're not doing Nike a whole lot of of favors. But, um, you know, so it's an interesting debate. And and I said on our message words, I don't know, we're talking about 125 grand and playing in front of 3,000 people, you know, in cavernous, uh, talking about the G League. It playing in front of 3,000 fans a night and nobody paying any attention to you in ugly uniforms? Or should you go be, you know, a superstar at Duke and really build your brand for a year? I've always historically uh, been, since there was no other option than the NBA for, for these guys, I've always been against saying, okay, if you come to college, you have to stay for three years or two years or, or whatever you want to do it. But now that they have a legitimate second option, they can go to the G League and make six figures. Now I think there should be a service time requirement if they choose to go to college. Um, so they're not going from college for a year to the G League to... Right, exactly. Um, I think now that they can... If the, if the elite players can make six figures in the G League now, I think the NCAA should be able to say, okay, if you come to college, you have to stay for right two to three years or, or something. I don't necessarily know that it should be three but maybe it should be two. I, I, I don't know. Although I'd like to have Nikhil for another year. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you, you'd like to have him for another year. So uh, I, I want to – but going off this topic, and I'll go off my one of my favorite shows, pardon the interruption, Buy or Sell segment. Buy or Sell, I'll pose this to both of you. 
that with Zion out and Justin Robinson out for that game on Tuesday, that it should be equal and it should not matter, buy or sell, because there's a different way to think about this, and I'm curious if you guys say buy or sell. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm i actually – this is going to be unpopular. Uh, I would say I'll sell. Um, I, I think you know Duke had had one game without Zion, and uh, Virginia Tech had had seven games without Justin Robinson. Uh, and and – you know, Zion's a guy. He was averaging what twenty three a game. <laughs> yeah, something or, like that. And, and Justin might. Justin now for his first, for Tech's first three four games without him, was most definitely worth twenty points a game. His absence, but I, he hasn't recently. He, that hasn't been the case. Tech, Tech is doing a better job scoring. So I, I think if they had been out the same amount of time, that would be a buy. But I do think Zion's loss effect, affected Duke more in this game than Justin's loss affected Virginia Tech okay. because Tech has had weeks to, to work on playing without him. Now, that being said, it's certainly not an excuse for Duke. And you didn't hear – Correct. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, they've got two other uh, – they've got two lottery picks plus probably a late first-round pick in their starting lineup Correct. even without him. So there, there, there's no excuses there for them. And you didn't hear, you didn't hear Coach K using it as, as an excuse. I don't even know if he no. mentioned Zion in the postgame. I, I think what I'm trying to get at more is I found something interesting. Former head coach of Virginia Tech men's basketball, Seth Greenberg, said that Justin Robinson is as important to Virginia Tech as Zion Williamson is to Duke. Well, uh, that's completely fair because yeah. Zion has a has a physique and a skill set that is unique to Duke, and Justin Robinson has a skill set that is unique to right. Virginia Tech. No doubt. You know. Yeah. Now, as as you guys were talking about this, uh, a point that may or may not be true is that Virginia Tech, with their team experience and the culture that Buzz has built with those guys, probably even over the long term would adjust better without Robinson on the team than a freshman-laden team yeah. that hasn't had a chance to build a culture like Duke. Even if you get – Coach K is a great coach, but if you give him five, six, seven games, can he compensate for the loss of Zion like Buzz and his guys have compensated for the loss of Justin Robinson? Yeah, and, and I think so much of how Tech has played without Justin Robinson just goes back to the overall attitude of the team and the positive culture that, that Buzz has established. Like all those guys like each other. You know, I think there's a positivity to them when they go to work every day that, uh, you know, I won't name names, but there are past years in Tech's program, past 10 years, where it was more of a negative atmosphere, in my opinion. And you can see, you could see that by the player's body language on the court, how they acted in the huddle. Um and it's the direct opposite now. And so I, I think there are certain years in the past you lose Justin Robinson or the, the that team's version of Justin Robinson, then I don't think it would have gone well. But but I, I think this team kept a positive attitude the entire time. And, and, and when you have a positive attitude and you have an elite head coach, you know, that's half the ba- that's that's more than half the battle of replacing a player like Justin Robinson, in my opinion. Well, to your point, one of the subtleties that is lost in all this, and Buzz has talked about this, is that when when Justin went out, Buzz at some point within two or three games made the decision, I'm gonna focus this team around Kerry Blackshear. It's been good for Blackshear. Blackshear's had a great month. Hardly anybody on the anybody else on that team has had a great month. But Buzz made the point that you know, I told these guys, uh, I can't remember exactly how Buzz phrased it, but he said, I told these guys Kerry's going to be the man, and 
I, he, he said, I'm very thankful that they all were willing to allow that to happen without complaining, without tanking. You see, uh, you see it in Nikhil Alexander Walker's face. Uh, he's, he's stayed competitive, but you can tell he's frustrated. Beatty fell off the edge of the earth. He went 0 for 11 from three-point range. He did well against NC State, but then his shooting just left. And you see the frustration on his face. Even the other night when he missed a layup or two, even when he missed those three open three-pointers, he was upset with himself. And these guys have, have just taken it on the chin for the good of the team, even though it means one of their teammates has gotten to be the guy and gotten all the attention. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about Nikhil here. Or Nikhil is playing for money right now at this point for his NBA stock, what I mean by that. Uh, you're playing Duke as a potential mid-first-round pick, and you're playing against a couple of lottery guys and another first-round pick. You know, you've got a chance to improve yourself if you can go out there and score 20 to 30 points against those guys, you really got a chance to improve your stock, right? So it could, it, you might be out there, and I think maybe your average guy might force a few that you otherwise would not. You don't see, you didn't see him doing that unless the shot clock was winding down. Uh, good shot selection for him for the most part. Uh, and I actually think, though, that playing within that system, I mean, the NBA scouts are smart, the, you know, that they aren't like I, – I, I, think, I think your average tech fan – to me, I've actually – there's been a lot of criticism in Nikhil, and most of it has been unwarranted. I thought he Related played, to his NBA draft status. Correct. Um, I, I think there's a perception out there that NBA players take or take over games in college all the time. But Trey Jones is, is, is a first-round pick. He averages eight points a game for Duke and shoots 25% from the three-point range. I mean, even thinking about Duke last year, Marvin Bagley was not a – you know, a, a shutdown defender and a 25 right. to 30. That's, that's right. just not the case. Right. Right. Now, Okafor, Julio Okafor was, you know, yeah. he's, a, he's a guy who could take over a game. Right. But he's also really struggling in the NBA, which is, I mean, just right. anyway, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, so I, I think, I thought Nikhil, he improved his stock against Duke because he had a great floor game. And and I think NBA scouts would say, look, that guy's unselfish. He could be out there forcing stuff against Duke to try to improve his stock, but he didn't. He played within the offense, only turned it over once, had six assists, had four steals. He was very, really good on the boards, and he guarded three different Duke players who were all going to be first-round picks. And I'm going to draft him as a second or third option anyway, and I don't need a head case as a second or third Absolutely. option. Absolutely. And, and you know, when they when they re, when those scouts reach out to Buzz and say, what kind of guy is he? Buzz is, Buzz is going to be like, oh, man, that guy was so unselfish. Uh when we had to change our offense and the things we had to ask him to do that he wasn't necessarily suited to do, right? To yeah, do. and uh, not only did he do it, he did it with a smile. You know, right. he 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 was good. He was perfectly willing to be part of the team. You know, let's go. Remember Calipari's first freshman laden one and done team, John Wall, John DeMarcus Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Cousins, Patrick Patterson. I, I, I remember in I remember that. Watching that team in the NCAA tournament, and they were just dysfunctional. They lost to West Virginia. I they lost to West Virginia, but it, you know it was one of those games where I think they were playing like Harvard or somebody like that in the second. Or I don't I remember when they were playing Harvard, but I think they beat them by sixteen. But whatever, whichever Ivy League team they were playing did enough in that game that was, it was frustrating Kentucky, and you could just see that those Kentucky guys were dysfunctional. It was the it was the NCAA tournament, which is pretty much everybody's dream to play in, unless you know you're a first round pick and you're just ready to go. 
play in the Just NBA. Yeah, you know, and that's what those Kentucky guys were doing. They were all in it for themselves. I, I remember and, watching you know, one of those games, and, and Calipari pulled, I think it was Cousins. Yeah. He pulled him and sat him on the bench. And oh, yeah. Cousins is fussing and complaining, and Calipari goes down and gets face-to-face with him, and and they weren't yelling at each other, but it was a heated exchange. And I'm th- I'm looking at Calipari, and I'm thinking, you got a game to coach, and you got to go over there and babysit this giant human being right. who's going to be in the NBA next year. Who shouldn't know? even be in college in the first place because he should already be in the NBA. Wouldn't you rather have a four-year guy who, when you took him out of the game, would shut up and sit down? Right. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, coachable players. And Nikhil is a coachable player, man. And he's really shown over the last month since Robinson went down, that he's an extremely coachable player. Final word on the Duke-Virginia Tech win on Tuesday for the Hokies, 77-72 to the final score. We'll do this in about three minutes. Um, the post-game of, of Coach Buzz Williams was uh, really, um, really touching, passionate, uh, just a lot of emotions, as you could expect, um, from Coach Buzz Williams uh, when he talked to John Laser and Mike Burnup uh, post-game, and then he went to the press conference. You were at the press conference, CC, mm-hmm. but Will, right away on Twitter, you jumped all over this. Uh, your takeaways, and tell some, uh, tell our listeners here on the podcast what really stood out to you about what he said, about what this win meant, and then he almost kind of reflected on his time since he's been here in a way. He's, he's had a lot of games that meant a lot to him. We've seen him get fired up about games. I'm not sure I've ever seen him this emotional for this long after a game. He went, he went for, you know, granted Mike and, and uh, Mike Burnup and John Laser asked him questions, but he, he went on for 12 minutes about larger issues. Not a lot of it was about the game as a whole. It was just about he, – he, he sounded like a guy who's been on a really long, difficult journey – who felt like everything he'd been working so hard to get accomplished was finally happening. Um, that's not to suggest that he's finished, but I really think he saw this game as an over-the-hump game. He's uh, and and I just I, I'm uh, there's a part of me that's really angry about the way this season has played out: the loss of Chris Clark and the loss of Justin Robinson to an injury. And Landers Nolly and. This, this season is the culmination of everything everybody's been working so hard for. And, yes, they're having a good season, but you go back and look at that schedule. They would have beaten Clemson. I think they would have smoked Louisville in Castle. And, and I'm probably leaving another loss out. Yeah, lost to UVA. They would have won two of those they, games. They could have beaten UVA also. And if Chris Clark is in the lineup, do they lose that game at Penn State? This is a really good season, but instead of 22-6, and six, it could be something like 26-2. and two. And they were robbed of that. And so I think Buzz hasn't – Buzz would never say that publicly. But that's part of it. It's been harder than it should be, and I think that's part of what got to him the other night. I also think he knows right, – he rebuilt the, this program with Justin Robinson and with Ahmed Hill and uh, with Ty Outlaw and, and, you know, the seniors on this team – bought into something and, and there was no proof that Virginia Tech was going to be good. They just completely trusted in Buzz. And, you know, to Justin Robinson, you know, he'll come back and he'll play in the NCAA tournament for the third time. And I know this is Virginia Tech's first – it will be their first time making three NCAA tournaments in a row. But they've had injuries in each one of those years. Is Justin Robinson going to be the first Tech player to actually play in all three NCAA tournaments? Kerry Blackshear – Played, missed, 
Right. I, I think Med might, Med might be the other one. Yeah. Because yeah. I think Med redshirted his sophomore but, but year. Ty did not play in the first Correct. Row. Correct. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's probably only going to be two guys in the history of Virginia Tech basketball who's played in three different NCAA tournaments. And and I, and they these guys help in, in turn the program around. Yeah. And I think Buzz is getting emotional because he's near the end with Justin Robinson. He's near the end with Ahmed Hill. He's near the end with Ty Outlaw. And – those guys bought into everything he talked about from the very beginning, and they helped change and I mean turn an entire program complete 180. Yep. Um, so I think he's I think that's part of it as well. One quote that he said he closed with a Med Hill. He went up to him apparently and said, "Med, you know you're shooting 25 percent. I believe the stat was <laughs> over the, the last month." Yeah. And he goes, "You know what? I'm not pulling you. You're my guy. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Essentially, you're my guy, and I'm riding with you." Yeah. And that was a yeah, really powerful statement. Said, yeah. I, yeah, I looked he, at him and said, "I'm not taking you out. You're yeah. my guy." Yeah, yeah, he said, "If you make it, don't celebrate, and if you miss it, don't hang your head." It's, Anyways, really touching stuff there from Buzz Williams post game after the win. He also did say that he he feels that Justin Robinson will have his number retired in the Rafters one we day. We talked about go, that. We I know. did. He, he, uh, he should. He, he really he, put that up he there. He fired that shot across. You, you know, it, about, didn't he? Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what. It, it's one thing to hold certain Virginia Tech records uh, in basketball. Uh, you know, does does Ace have the rebounding record, or is that Chris no. Smith? No, it's probably still Chris Smith. Okay. But, uh, Ace was very good, but right. it wasn't that good. You know, I know that, uh, you know, Bimbo had the assist record, right? But Bimbo had the assist record at the tail end of the Metro Conference when it wasn't quite as good as what the Metro Conference had been, right? Would you yeah, agree yeah, with Bimbo, that? Bimbo had the scoring lead and the assist And the assist, and the assist, assist record. Uh, and Robinson, to do what he's done in the ACC – for good teams. Bimbo right. was allowed to do what he wanted to for bad teams. Right, and, right. And that comes from an, from an interview. I interviewed Bimbo. Right. And Bimbo, at the end of his freshman year, was going to go over and play football instead because he was a great football player. And he said, he told me, Frankie Allen called me into his office, and he said, I'll give you the ball. You can do whatever you want to. Just don't change the football. <laughs> so, yeah. there's that. And, right. Well, yes. And I love Bimbo. He's a great player. Yeah, and so because that and – you know, Robinson is the face of this group of players who turned the program. The Buzz around. Williams era. Correct. He, absolutely. And uh, so so I, I just really think for his individual accomplishment of having the all-time assist record at Virginia Tech and being the guy for this era, that, that I think it needs to go up there. Real quick he, before we go. He and his teams have accomplished more than Ace and his teams did. Right. Real quick before we go to break, yes or no? Jersey retired. If you without the rules and everything, would you retire Justin Robinson's jersey? Yes or no? Mm. I'll I'll just say yes. I don't feel super strong about it, but it's been 23 years since a jersey got retired. This team has gone to three NCAA tournaments. If they go to a Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, that kind of helps you make your decision. You know, with Justin back and play it. But uh, you know, sure, yeah. Okay, Chris. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I'm I'm the leader of that march. For there, for there, sure. yeah. there you have it. Well, Virginia Tech off this weekend. They're at Florida State on Tuesday, home against Miami next Friday to close out the ACC regular season. That's going to do it for our basketball talk. We're going to step aside for a break. When we come back, a press conference this week from Virginia Tech football, Justin Fuente, Bud Foster, and others spoke to the media. We'll get thoughts on spring practice before we close out this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. 
If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back aboard the Tech Sideline Podcast. Again, our thanks to Jonathan Fisher and his incredible team at the Fisher Law Firm for being proud partners of TechSideline.com since 2014. You heard Will say at the beginning of the podcast, they'll renew for next year. Very excited to have them back on board for next year. Let's transition from basketball to football where, as Justin Fuente said today, head coach of Virginia Tech football, he loves spring practice. A great time to develop guys, work with guys one-on-one. I think it's a time that a lot of football coaches look forward to. Again, we're recording on Thursday, February 28th, so the press conference was earlier today. Yeah, it pretty much just happened. Uh, yeah, you guys have been on the go today, so we, uh, but... You guys have some notes in front of you. You guys were there. Mm-hmm. What were your biggest takeaways starting with you? Well, the biggest takeaway is they're pushing back the start from March 3rd to March 20th. And I always thought it was a little odd to have four or five practices and then break for spring break and then come back and do the rest of spring practice. Yeah, because spring break is March 11th through 15th, I think. Yeah, yeah Monday, I think Monday, that's March, right. Yeah. So yeah. That, that would have broken up spring practice. Yeah, so I, uh, I, think, I think it's the right decision. Uh, you know, you got some guys hurt that you could – potentially get back like Fuente said uh Damon Hazelson's had an issue had an injury since the season they think you know if they had started spring practice March 3rd this weekend they wouldn't have gotten him back but now that they're going to start it on March 20th they think they'll get him back so they think they'll be a healthier team and more guys can practice in in, in the spring um so to me that was a that was a big thing and and I, and I like that you know Fuente is not so rigid in his ways that you know, most coaches, I think they schedule something, and oh my, by God, we're going to stick to it no matter what, right? Fuente makes a decision right before practice starts. Hey, you know what? Let's just push it back a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, let these guys. You you want to let your players be 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 college kids, right? To a certain extent. Um, so you start spring practice, then they go on spring break. They go do whatever they want to on spring break, and then they come back from spring break and. Maybe your first two practices after spring break are worthless because your players, they, they do what people do on spring break, right, without getting into great detail. Uh, but you give them spring break beforehand, uh, you bring them back, you get a couple of 5 a.m. Uh, conditioning uh, days in, and then you start spring practice, yeah, and everybody's he, ready to go. And, and he's not even starting the Monday after spring break. He's starting the Wednesday after right, spring break. So, right. yeah, it gives him a few yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think it's good for, for everybody involved. Uh, and, oh, by the way, that does not change the date of the spring game. Yeah. Spring game is still going to be April 13th. They're just going to have three practices after, after the spring game. Which is kind of cool if you think about it because – They'll have the chance to uh, – I mean, I know they do scrimmages anyway, mm-hmm. but Fuente referred to – you know, he said the spring game is going to be a scrimmage, but it gives them a chance to evaluate players playing in that type of setting in front of a big crowd and have three more practices. Right, exactly. You, you can – it's a game setting, and it's a spring game is a big deal to players. It's not called the spring scrimmage, right? It might be a scrimmage, but it's called the spring game, so it's got a different vibe. You're playing in front of people, so the players are a little bit more excited. So – you know, you take that film, you show it to them, and then you can spend the next three practices really focusing in on that stuff 
and there's not there's not a game to prepare for, right? No, I'm with yeah. you. Uh, Will, you see the list of players right now who are not cleared for contact and not cleared to practice. Out of those names, what stands out to you most? I believe, and Chris, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong. I mm-hmm. believe that Fuente said he's he's got he's got guys on the left side of the list that say not medically cleared to practice. And none of them will be back regardless of when spring practices, right? But that's these a, guys that's are all statement. out. Yeah. And I also believe he said that the guys we're about to list are out due to injuries suffered during the season, not anything. Yeah, it hasn't been anything that, you know, some of these guys played through injuries all of last year, like Darisol played through an injury all of last year. Dalton Keene played through an injury all of last and year. And you know that Xavier Burke got hurt last year. Right. So let's go to the Wheatley. List. Xavier Burke. Uh, defensive tackle, mm-hmm. offensive lineman Walker Culver, and that, that's a shame. Uh, it is. Uh, all right, so, and, and let's re- restart. All right, Burke, we knew Burke was going to miss. Yeah. Ruptured his Achilles in the middle of the last season. We knew he was done. Yeah. Uh, Culver did not know about, and that's a shame because I think he's a, a retro freshman offensive lineman who can he, be a very good player. Didn't you want to say he's a very large individual? Was that the uh, I think it was you that did. No, nah, that's not who I was talking about. He's he's a normal size guy. Well, nor, <laughs> nor, normal size for an offensive lineman. Um, uh, uh, you're th- you're. I was talking about Tanuda. Tanuda, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. All right, so Darasaw. Tanuda's not on the, on this list, by the way. Correct. Let's be clear. Right, uh, Darasaw. Now, speaking of Tanuda, Darasaw being out, that's going to give mm. Tanuda a lot of reps. Yeah. Uh, now Darasaw played through an injury. We don't know exactly know what the injury. Uh, was but uh he played through an injury and still played really well yeah for for a true freshman so think about that for a few minutes Gaines, we knew he was going to miss the spring towards ACL yep. against pitt uh joe kane i i think we might have known that but 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 we didn't know it for a fact he's a guy who redshirted this past year uh i think i saw a weightlifting clip from the season with like his arm in a sling or something like yeah, that. yeah every once in a while they yeah. they make a mistake yeah, and exactly. put a guy on twitter right. that <laughs> yeah, we, we, we didn't uh we didn't know dalton Keene would miss the spring uh i don't think that's that big of a deal he got his knee cleaned up it wasn't like a torn acl or and he said he'll, like be, he'll be back so right. and, and and if you have a minor knee, knee procedure like that doesn't really prevent you from it doesn't prevent you from doing upper body work in the weight room it's not like a shoulder injury where it completely incapacitates you in the weight room. So real quick, with Chris Cunningham transferring and Keen out, who are some people that can maybe uh, step into some roles here in the spring? James Mitchell and Drake Dulius. Dulius yeah. is yeah. a okay, – the the, 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 Those will be your two tight ends the, yeah. this spring. Yeah, Sorry, uh, it's, a shame, it's a shame Gallo couldn't enroll early. Yeah, it really is, knowing what we know now. Uh, Ladler at Whip will be out. That's going to give – Oh, where's my newcomer list? Uh, Breon, Breon, Breon Murray, a JUCO transfer. And they spoke highly of him in the press conference. Today, yeah, correct? yeah. And, uh, and he, did, he, yeah. he doesn't have a lot of football experience. Uh, he was a JUCO walk-on, hmm. believe it or not. He, well, he was out of Delaware. Nobody recruits Delaware, right? And I think he was more of a okay. – <laughs> Wayne's World. Hi, hey, look, we're in Delaware. Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so he goes out to JUCO. I think he was like a basketball player for okay. the most part and then started with football later in his career. But uh, – Redshirted his first year of JUCO also. So he was only on the field for one year of JUCO ball. Lands, lands at Virginia Tech. I, I don't know how good he'll be right away, but but I like his potential. I think the first thing out of Fuente's mouth was he can really run. I was yeah, going to say, he's yeah. really fast and, is what right, he said. And, and he's put on some weight, apparently. So now he's got to learn coverage and tackling in space and everything like that. But for, uh, what I saw of his JUCO film, he's very willing when, when it comes to tackling and, and all that. I'll put it that way. So it's going to give him a lot of reps. Um, it's Jamari Connor, right? Connor, who's moving from Rover. Not necessarily, I'm not going to say he's moving to Whip, but they're going to try him there this spring. 
to, to see if that's that's a better position for him. So I think Khalil Adler needs to work, but those other guys need work too. And and on and well, let me say this right here: this is a normal looking injury list. This is normal for spring. The size of this injury. Yeah, list. it looks like I, a lot of guys. I'm, and somebody asked me on Twitter: is that a lot of guys? I, I don't. It's not. A, it was worse Fuente's first year when okay. there was at least twenty guys. I mean, just. Which is a lot when you consider you're not at your full scholarship limit in the spring. You probably got like 65 scholarship guys That's on the true. spring. So like they had like a third of their scholarship players missing in the spring of 2016. So let me ask you, Chris, did did they do this before last year's spring practice? Did they give you I, this list? I have no idea. I don't. I, I don't recall it. Probably so, not. You know, yeah. and I actually went on Twitter and said. You know, kudos for handing out the information. It's good to know. Yeah. Um, so next name on the list is Tyree Rogers. Uh, Tyree. Uh, like to get him work it would be ideal I don't know what's wrong with him um, yeah, I, I didn't so. know he was going to be out but he played through an injury this past year Webb we knew was going to be out another Achilles injury and, uh, and Wheatley, Wheatley, I wrote all year. Wheatley. I wrote all year that we had been hearing he might have to have shoulder surgery, and that's why Tech wasn't using him as a traditional running back and pounding him between the tackles. They were just giving it to him on jet sweeps. Saw a picture of him on Twitter a couple weeks ago with his arm in a sling. Yeah. Oh, look, he did have shoulder surgery. When they handed so. out the letter jackets, they put a picture that's of right. everybody on Twitter, and there was Wheatley over uh, on the far left. Right. And it led to this interesting discussion. Everybody said, "Who's that?" And half the people said Taiwan Garbett, and the other half said Terius Wheatley. And I never realized, you know, those guys kind of look a lot alike, but it got settled. It was Wheatley. Right. Um, uh, all right, so these next three guys, not medically cleared for contact. They're going to practice, but they're not going to go through full contact drills. Uh, Nike Hawkins, I don't know if it's Nike or Nike, but anyway, true freshman defensive back. Not even sure what position he's going to play at this point. I was going to ask Bud Foster that today, but Norm Wood got the last question before I could I could, I could ask that. But uh, And now it's – Rob Porsche. It's no longer Robert Porsche the fourth. It's Rob Porsche. Uh, I really, you know, he, he's a guy that he had shoulder surgery before his retro freshman season last year, and I think he's a, got talent, but he needs to add upper body strength, and he couldn't really do that when you're coming off shoulder surgery. Uh, I don't know what the issue is this year. I don't think he's had surgery again because if he had had surgery, I don't think he'd be practicing they would at say all. He's out. Right, right, yeah. Uh, so I, I, th- I think he'll be all right as long as he's able to do upper body work in the weight room. You know, I, I expect him to be a better football player next year. Nadir Thompson tore his ACL, I believe, last year. Early last year. Yeah, okay. and uh, so he's probably he's almost ready. He's almost ready. He's he's going to be able to do the. The most important stuff. And his thing opinion. is he's, he's super fast, right? He's very fast. Yeah. And I saw a picture of him, and uh, I think he tweeted a uh, body by at Coach Hilgert. Uh, it was him and Dewan Ellis on, on Twitter. And, and he used his time with a torn ACL very well to work on his upper body. Yeah, um, well, yeah so he looks the part. Um, so so that's, that's your injury list right now. Quickly, in about two to three minutes, uh, any any talks and what did you take away from the press conference about some of the JUCO transfers? Anything stand out to you? Well, I, I think guys like Murray and Crawford and Jaden Cunningham, if he qualifies, they're certainly going to have a chance to help Virginia Tech early. And, uh, you know, Fuente said for a guy like Crawford, for big guys adjusting to a strength and conditioning program, mainly the conditioning part, is a little more difficult for a 180-pound skill position player. So uh, Crawford, you know, he's probably having – Now, wait a minute. Let, let, let me – I didn't quite pick up there. Is it more difficult for the bigger guys? Bigger guys, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, it's I mean, more difficult – It's more difficult for Cam Good 
right? <laughs> That's how you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I expect, you know, Crawford has been introduced to some stuff that he's not quite used to, but I expect him to easily push through that, and I do still believe he'll start for Virginia Tech this year. Um, and Murray's a guy that I think could, could play a lot just simply because I thought Virginia Tech had bad what play last year and that spot's wide open. Okay. So a, a, a Crawford nugget, you've you've been either looking at or editing an article from Brandon Patterson where he got to watch a lot of Crawford film. No, right? that's uh, Cunningham. Cunningham. Yeah. Palmer. Okay. Yep. Um, all right, so real quick, we've got some good questions that have come in. I want to close with that, if that's right. all right, or anything else. Uh, you, well, we got, we got some questions coming in, uh, oh, but, but I'm pretty sure he's going to do Crawford also later. Okay. So. Yep. Go uh, ahead, TC. Yeah, we got a question from uh, – Wayne Shepard, Fuente has been accused of not showing much emotion, at least in public. Do you ever see him getting more Dabo-like to foster energy <laughs> with the team, or is that just not in his DNA? Actually, Dabo you know, there. I think that's completely in his d- DNA. I mean, he is naturally an emotional guy. He said this. He makes it a point to be a little more stoic on the sideline because he thinks players feed off their head coach and behave like their head coach. And, and quite honestly – I, I think if you get too out of control on the sideline, then your players are going to be out of control on the field. So I agree with him that statement. I, I think it's a lot easier to criticize when you're six and seven. He was the same way on the sideline for when Virginia Tech won the Coastal Division in his first year. Okay, so I, I think he's taking too much heat for that. Is my personal opinion. Now you, you, I can, I can look on the sideline and point to numerous occasions where he's showed emotions. You know, Greg Stroman returned. UNC the, punt return. Oh, he was running down the sideline. Now, I'm not going to say step for step with we're Stroman, UNC, we're right, UNC. right? And then God, he he mobbed Stroman on the sideline. Uh, it's he tackled Bud Foster at the end of the UNC game when we Tech took UNC, the lead. That 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 hug he and Foster had on the sideline. Can, also can you, against UNC. Can you give uh, us an uh, instant uh, of emotion that wasn't against UNC? Yeah, good, good point. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I do think, and I've seen enough of him in the in what little bit of practice we, we get to see. It's not like he just stands around with his with his hands across his chest or anything like that. Uh, I think I, I, I think I, I just think that uh, Tech fans aren't exposed to him all, all that much. Well, he uh, chuckled a couple times at the press conference. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was. He did fine at the press conference. And I thought he was pretty. Yeah, and I, yes, I know he showed emotion against Notre Dame. So yes, oh my goodness, yes, he did show emotion against <laughs> Notre Dame. He got a, he got a fifteen yard penalty against Notre Dame. How many, how many football coaches did you see get a fifteen yard penalty during a game? Even against Boston College this year, there was a, a call that he thought there was a pass interference, and he was standing right next to the line judge. He looked up at the replay, and. You talk about showing emotion. He showed some emotion after. I think on calls is really where you see him really get amped up. He's not afraid to get into an official's ear. I mean, that's uh, – yeah. so, all right, let's do two more. Two okay, more. two more. Perfect, because we got two more. Uh, John asks, how many do we lose to transfer after spring ball? I got, mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I still see a couple on the roster that I just quite frankly We've been think told they there, have no there chance to play. There will be more coming. Um, so, I, I don't have an – without having a roster right in front of me, it's tough to say, but yeah, there'll be a few more. There are, there always are. But I don't think it's going to be some mass exodus. I think the guys who leave from here on out this year will be guys that weren't going to play. It's not going to be uh, Eric Kuma or somebody like that. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it's going to be guys who they, they know it's sketchy for them. They want to give it another shot during the spring, see what happens, and if it doesn't work out, then they'll transfer. Uh, question from Josh. Yeah, so we had to ask this one. A question from uh, Josh. Great way to end the podcast. Yeah, uh, now Josh uh, was a college friend of mine. What is Chris's favorite beer to drink whilst in the U.K.? 
Josh is asking this question because he's moving to the UK. Josh, I heard you were moving. Yeah, I heard you're moving to the London area. So whenever you move, I'll be over there in May. If you're there by then, let me know. I didn't know you travel, CC. Oh yeah, this will be my third year in a row going over. But he uh, he goes over to see uh, Tottenham play. Yeah. So honestly, Josh, to to answer your question, I don't remember, (laughs) but uh, uh, I know when I drink English beer here, I go with Newcastle, which uh, you know is. I'm sure it's kind of bland for, for most people. But I do know that Tony Bennett drinks Newcastle. Which Tony Bennett, the singer or the no, UVA? No, the UVA coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about the singer. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Josh, I will say they have a lot of options in there, most of which I've never heard of. Um, you know, you, you roll in there and you're looking around at their, their taps and there's no there's no Bud Light, there, there's no Coors Light. You're going to have to pick something that uh, that you've never had before, most likely. There you have it. Great way to end the podcast right there. Uh, Hour in 15 minutes. Thanks, everybody, for watching your comments. Thanks so much for listening on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. A fantastic way to cap off the month of April. Next time we talk to you, we'll be uh, rolling into March. The month of February. I'm sorry. What did I say? I say March. I wish we were capping off. You said said April. Cap off the month of April. Oh, you're two months ahead, man. I wish we were capping off the month of April. It'd be about to get warm, man. (laughs) And and you and you would be a week away from going. I would uh, be a week away from going on vacation, also. All right, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's uh, edition of the TechSideline.com podcast. Don't forget, uh, check out the website. I assume tomorrow maybe a Q and A. Oh, absolutely. It'll be a Q and A tomorrow, and. Probably another recruiting update from uh, Jason. Yeah, Jason's yeah. killing it uh, yeah. lately. We we put him to work on the uh, on the signees who are coming in, and uh, he's he's doing some good work lately. Eighty four ninety nine is your annual price. Eight forty nine is your monthly price. Twenty nine ninety nine your student price. Subscribe to TechSideline.com. It'll be the best decision you've ever made. Ever. Ever. That's going to do it for the podcast. For our founder, Will Stewart. For our managing editor, Chris Coleman. My name is Evan Hughes. Thanks so long. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Thank you.